Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Interested in starting your own podcast? Audioboom can help with our $9.99 monthly subscription plan for hosting and distribution. You'll get 200 minutes of recording time per episode, a branded homepage on the Audioboom platform, embeddable players for web and social media, advanced analytics, and so much more. To sign up for your $9.99 monthly subscription plan, go to audioboom.com start. That's A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-M dot com slash S-T-A-R-T. This is the MLW Radio Network. This episode of Prime Time with Sean Mooney is brought to you by SeatGeek. Now, all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app to your phone, and then you're just a few finger taps away from all those great events that you want to see. And because you listen to Prime Time, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. So, what are you waiting for? Get to it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Primetime with Sean Mooney. We are coming off an episode that certainly stirred some debate, to say the least. As expected, Vince Russo was my guest this past week, and honestly, I have to tell you, there was some overwhelming Positive, yes, positive response to Vince's appearance on the show. Uh, There, of course, were some haters, but I knew that going in, that no matter what was said during the podcast, those people were not going to change their minds about how they felt about Vince uh, one way or the other. But I think those that gave it a listen, uh, you know, and came in with, uh, I'm just going to hear what he has to say, were surprised by the conversation and uh, definitely had a better understanding of Vince Russo when our time together was over. Uh, If that is the case, I could certainly not ask for anything more than that. Uh, Vince is truly uh, what I believe is a very unique individual, and I have to tell you, I really, really enjoyed having him on. Uh, With that, I am also looking forward to sharing my conversation with you uh, with uh, this week's guest, Danny Davis, that's right, a.k.a. Mr. X, and of course, dangerous Danny Davis uh, when he was stepping into the ring for the WWF. He's also uh, well-known as being a very controversial third man in the ring. Remember that? Uh, He says uh, that he was fair to both baby faces and heels. Uh, Many may disagree with that and say he leaned on the villainous side, regardless If you think you know Danny Davis, you have no idea. Uh, Trust me on that, and uh, you're really going to enjoy this conversation today. Uh, I hope you've noticed that we have dramatically also stepped up our social media presence with primetime Sean Mooney. Uh, We have a new official Twitter account uh, that is up and running. It is at primetime Mooney. That is at primetime Mooney. That is our official Twitter account. And we also have a new Instagram account with the same address. It's real easy to remember uh, for both of them. It's at Primetime Mooney. Uh, I went into the garage, and uh, I think I told you last week, not only did I find some vintage Coliseum videotapes, which we've already given one of those away on our Facebook page, 
but over the coming weeks, I'm going to be giving away many more. Also, I found some great pictures from my time with the WWF WWE, and we have been posting a few sporadically, uh, some really awesome pictures. Uh, for example, we just put one up of me and Freddie Blassie at a charity event. I'd love to tell you that story t- sometime. It, it's really a, a great one where uh, Freddie and I went down to New York City for this event uh, that um, Franco Harris would host every year. And it was this multi-sport event. They did all kinds. They brought all these uh, personalities in, all these celebrities, and they would have them participate. You know, they had stuff like, you know, tennis and uh, all, all kinds of different e- events happening. And then they'd have this big giant dinner with a big uh, with an entertainer that would come in and, and sing. And it was all to raise money uh, for charity. Uh, but I'll tell you about that. There's really some, some great stories with Freddie and <laughs> some of the other events that I attended with him. But that is just one of the pictures you see us. Uh, that was after a, a tennis uh, tournament uh, that they had. And, of course, Freddie was, was classy, uh, kind of. Anyway, <laughs> I've got some other great ones coming up. Be sure to stay tuned uh, on our Instagram page. And we'll be putting them up at other places, too. But I really did find some great ones uh, that I, I didn't even remember having. I just happened to look in a box and found all this stuff. So uh, I'm going to be sharing it with you in the coming weeks. So be sure to be following us on Twitter and Instagram with that same address, at Primetime Mooney. Also on Facebook, I did my first Facebook Live the other night on that page, uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney. And I'll tell you, I was I was really blown away. I Honestly, I was thinking whether there's going to be like two people out there that are going to you know, maybe tune in and ask me some questions. Uh, we had a lot of people tune in, and uh, we had nearly 250 comments. I had a lot of fun. You know, when you're doing that, and that stuff passes by really quickly because, you know, so many were coming in that you can't really look at them because I was kind of self-conscious because you're, you know, in front of a camera there you know, that I would keep looking off. But next time we do it, and I went through a lot of the comments uh, after uh, I got off of uh, the prime, the uh, Facebook alive and really some great questions some great comments so i'm going to save them up uh some of those questions and next time i do one which uh, we're going to do in the very near future i will uh, uh save a bunch of those answer some of those questions that people had and i encourage you to you know as you're as you're uh, watching to throw some more at me i'm, I'm a little better at it now I, I i saw how i can read the questions a little bit better so uh that was a lot of fun and we're going to be doing that so if you want to be part of it, if you haven't already, be sure to go to our uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney Facebook page and like us because we're going to be doing that uh, very soon. And, and we have a lot of other great info on there. And I told you we're going to put uh, some pictures up there all the time. And it's a great way to chat with us. You can put comments on there and I, I will answer you back. So if you haven't already, get to Facebook and follow us. Now, every week, not only is it my mission to bring you a phenomenal conversation with someone uh, who is not not just part of, but also a person who had an impact on the world of professional wrestling, and I also love to help my listeners out. I want them to have a great time when they're not listening to Primetime with Sean Mooney, and what better way uh, to do that than get out and experience a live event in your town, uh, like a live WWE event, uh, let's say live music, or seeing you know, a favorite comedian. I saw Jerry Seinfeld here in my uh, city. And, and whatever you want to do, whoever you want to see, I can help you out. I can with SeatGeek. Uh, first, you download the app on your mobile device, and then you're just a few fingertips away, 
uh, finger, finger taps, I should say, uh, from getting the best seats to that great event that you have been dying to see. And one of the things I love about this app, as I mentioned, you know, I saw uh, Seinfeld, um, but when you look on this app, when it comes up, because let's say you don't know, you know, you just want to go out and do something, uh, see something live, you know, an event, but you don't really know what's out there. Well, when you bring this app up, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's geared to your, it's, it's, you know, geared to your area. It is uh, set up that way. So you'll see all these events that are happening right in your town or, or a city that's really close to you. And of course, you'll have the really big ones, let's say WrestleMania or something up there. But you can find events that are taking place right in your town uh, on the app. So that's just, just one of the great things because you can find so much. Uh, also, SeatGeek researches several sites to make sure you get the very best price, the best price you can get on those tickets possible. Also, purchases are totally guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with SeatGeek with absolute total confidence. And here is the best part. I always save that for the last because uh, because you are one of my loyal listeners here on Primetime with Sean Mooney, you're going to receive $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So not only are you going to get the best price on the tickets that you're buying, you're also going to get $20 off your first purchase. All you have to do is use the promo code PRIMETIME. That's PRIMETIME when you make that buy, and you're going to get $20 off. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? So get on it. Download the SeatGeek app today. All righty. It is now time to get to the main event. Ding, ding, ding. Well, I have to tell you, I am very glad to welcome a man who I guess you would say had a dual career with the WWF slash WWE, uh, both as the third man in the ring, a referee, although uh, I always questioned his fairness in the ring. Uh, He was also a superstar in the WWF, a very dangerous one. Danny Davis, thank you for coming on primetime. How are you? Oh, Sean, it's so good to hear from you. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing really great, man. I, 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 so many things are happening this year that uh, you know, I, this is why we're, we're uh, talking today. And I'm so excited. It's, it's hard for me to keep my composure sometimes. Well, you know, it is amazing. I, I think we both appreciated the period of, period of our lives that we were uh, involved with the uh, WWF, WWE uh, what many believed was the greatest era of professional wrestling. I absolutely believe it. Um, but it isn't amazing though. Now, now it's come back and I think, you know, we can attribute it to, you know, the WWE network, but I just also think that there are people that just never let it go, uh, but it's amazing how there's like a resurgence, right? Well, you know, when you live in a time, whether it be a sport or an era or like the, one of the great presidents of our time or something great happens. Yeah. Uh, it's always a special time in everyone's life yeah. and it's never forgotten. Mm-hmm. And in that time, if you can do something different, if you can do be, become something that uh, no one's ever seen before. And I'm speaking of my career and in terms of me becoming uh, a wrestler after referee and, and, and my, my tenure be, with a WWF, it, it was, it was amazing. It's, it, it was done. It was never done before. It was done then it was done right. And it was very, very successful. 
and it made the fans, and it was at a time where, like you said, wrestling was at its absolute peak for that, that era. And yeah. I don't think there'll ever be a time ever again yeah. to repeat that. Not in that, that way. It may be in another way, you know, the new product that they're putting out and stuff like that. I have no idea what that is. Uh, to be honest with you, Sean, I haven't kept up with it. I have been, you know, invited to a couple of WrestleManias in the, in the past few years, but it's, it's, uh, a very different product. And, uh, uh, like you said, and, and I've reiterated that time in wrestling is never going to be repeated in my opinion. Yeah. And, and it really and, and is, I, just you know, amazing. you and I, you and I being a part of that, you and I being a part of that, you know, the fans never forget. And, no. and, you know, you don't realize it till, you know, like now that, wow, wow, we really did that. Yeah. And, and you'd say that, as you said, that, uh, you know, people never let it go. Uh, and I know you see this because you do uh, get out to these uh, memorabilia shows. You make appearances. And um, I'm sure it's like with me that uh, it took me a little while to really grasp it. But a lot of these people that you meet, this is part of their childhood. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, like you were on a, a real a favorite show or you were on in a movie that they loved or something. You were part of it. And uh, it brings it all back to them. And, and those are great times. They remember when they were kids and they'd get up on Saturday morning and they'd, they'd watch the matches and they'd, you know, they hated you for whatever, what you did. And they loved the, you know, others for doing, you know, it's just part of their lives. And when they get to actually uh, meet a part of that, it brings it all back to them. And, and it's and, uh, great, great memories. Well, I have a story about that. And it was one of the greatest it. compliments one of the greatest compliments I've, I, and, and it brought everything full circle for me. Mm-hmm. I was working as a um, truck driver and I was in Boston one time and he's, I was making a delivery and these three security guys walked up to me and I guess they would be a little bit younger than I was and et cetera. And they recognized who I was mm-hmm. and they come up and say, you're a dangerous Danny Davis back in the time. And I said, yes, I was. Yes. And we started talking and one guy stepped out of the group of three and shook my hand and he got tears, tears in his eyes. And he said, my grandfather and father and myself and my brothers used to get up on Saturday and sit in front of that TV or whatever day it was, like, you know, and watch you wrestle. And my father and grandfather hated you so bad, but I have to tell you something. That was one of the greatest, they're both dead now. He said, but that, that memory is etched in our minds for the rest of our lives. And I just wanted to thank you. Man, who had about tears in my eyes? Yeah, but so, uh, but it's so true. what what just but oh you know, what you said is just brought that that uh, story to mind, and I'm telling you, it, you you just hit you all at once. It comes over you like a wave, you know, like wow, you know, I was really part of that, you know, and it's it, it's something, something yeah, to be as, proud of, I guess. Yeah, and as you said, it was a really special time. All these things came together. You saw it uh, before it happened. You were a part of it while it happened, and you were. Uh, right there through, you know, the 90s when uh, it was still going on. Uh, before we get to all that, like, because I want to, I'm going to talk about your journey. But um, we talked before, just before we started recording this, that, um, you know, you grew up in Massachusetts, in, in Brockton. And uh, I'd love to hear the stories of, of, you know, how you grew up how, and, and then how you got into wrestling. How did wrestling come into your life? So tell me first about, uh, you know, those early days in Brockton, what it was like to grow up in Massachusetts. Well, it, 
I don't want to say too much because that aspect of my life is covered in the book. It's the oh, beginning we should of my mention that before we get going. Yeah, Danny's got a book coming out. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about it, the name of it, and uh, how folks can watch out for it. Well, the name of it is uh, Mr. X, because as you know, yep. my career started as Mr. X, and that's how I actually learned to, to wrestle. And if you watch Mr. X on YouTube, you can still do that. Yeah. And watch Danny Davis, dangerous Danny Davis as the, as the uh, bad world famous bad guy referee is completely different people wrestling mm -hmm. techniques anyway. But anyway, the name of the book is Mr. X, the life story of dangerous Danny Davis. Now I'm I, myself and this man, I'm sure, you know, I'm Kenny Casanova from yeah. W O H W publishing, H W publishing got together. And I was at the, uh, Hall of Fame in New York at one time, and we ran into each other. And he asked me if I would be interested in writing a book. And I said, "Listen, everybody's writing a book. You know, I, I don't really think that my my tenure in the WWE, whatever you want to call it, would uh, you know be up to par for that." And so he kicked it around, and I kicked it around, and he came up with a concept. Now, this book is not unlike any other wrestling book written, and that was one of the one of the key factors in me allowing it to happen. It can't be uh -huh. about, it is about my career and stuff like that, but it is also an inspirational book it, and we're a kid from the streets and you know, the bad, bad streets of Brockton were pretty rough in my day. And, and, uh, there are aspects in the book that cover some of the things that I went through, which weren't very flattering to me. And then of course, finding wrestling, uh, I used to put up rings and referee and wrestle and do concessions, whatever had to be done. And I did that for quite a while, but back to the book. The book is for all people. You don't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this book. You can be a non-wrestling fan, or you can be one of the greatest wrestling fans that ever lived. Everybody should read this book, regardless of whether you're a wrestling fan or not, because the inspiration that you'll get from this book is something to be had. You have to read it, and you have to understand what can happen in your life if you really put your mind to it. And there's nothing in this world that can keep you from achieving your dreams. Now, if one person or one child reads this book and achieves a goal or uh, lives a dream, then I will consider this book a success. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, what can you tell us, though, about uh, growing up on the, on the mean st uh, streets of Brockton so that people can understand, you know, that uh, you really didn't have an easy road? Well, I had no... My, my, unfortunately for me, I had no home. I was a street kid at 13, 12 or 13. Huh. So I learned at a young age how to survive. Now, anybody that lives in the world today, the, the streets and learning to survive on the streets, sometimes you have to do things that you're not very proud of. And I survived by, I would uh, street fight. I used to be a street fighter. Mm -hmm. I would uh, street fight for money. Mm -hmm. I would go to a... Uh, a place or empty fist fight. Yeah. And I, I lived through that and I would, uh, live wherever I could lay my head. I would, uh, uh, how I could, I would acquire things without buying them. Like, shall we say, <laughs> I would, okay. I, would <laughs> I, I, I just, just living in the streets. And then of course I, uh, one day I just was at, uh, my sister took me to, Jack Witchie's, which is one of the famous venues of the 60s and 70s and 80s, 
in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And when she brought me there and watched a wrestling match, then I knew in my heart at that moment that someday I would do that. Now, having said that, I was about 130 pounds. I was sickly. I was, you know, had my a street kid. And yeah, you must have been one tough heart. kid. You must have been one tough kid if you're street fighting at 130 bu- uh, pounds. I mean, wow. That's right. That's right. And uh, and uh, and I, I not I'm not uh, bragging, but yeah, I did very well. Anyway, <laughs> some of that them stories are in the book. But after that, I knew I would become a wrestler one day. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, "Jesus, you, you, you know, no way, no way, no way." Well, again. I went from there. I found a guy that wanted help putting up a ring. And then I met Vince McMahon senior, then Vince McMahon junior and things just snowballed, uh, aspects of that are in the book. And then of course the rest of its history and, uh, where I became a wrestler, Mr. X, a referee wrestler. And then of course, back to refereeing at the end of my, my tenure. Now but you were there, Sean, in those days. Well, yeah, but a little bit. Uh, I was there when the way you know it was it was going strong, uh, and uh, yes. a lot of people don't know the 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 uh, story behind the McMahon's and uh, you know where it well, started and where Vince really started. But um, when you said you 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 got into wrestling, did you uh, were you did you train uh, early on? Uh, did you go to some gym and say you know somebody train you know I, I want to learn this? No, no, no. What happened was. Uh, well, I, again, it's in the book, but uh, I uh, one day uh, I, I hooked up with a, with, a, with a friend of mine that was, uh, well, I found a friend in wrestling who would yeah. bring me to the gym with him. Mm-hmm. And we trained every day. He showed me how to work out. He showed me what to do and what not to do. And, of course, a lot of guys wanted you to do this and, and do that. And he said, look, stay away from those guys, you know. And uh, one day... Uh, I had an opportunity to put on a mask at a um, spot show, I guess, for someone else and uh, work with this guy that was training me in the ring. And then, of course, I'd I'd go to the TVs down in uh, uh, Allentown and and, uh, just work as Mr. X, you know, go in the ring. And and that's how I became, they uh, actually learned to wrestle through under the mask. When I first started, of course, I didn't know one thing from the other, but the yeah. guys, most of the guys were, were, uh, because we're, it was, you know, televised and stuff like that. Most of the guys would say, help me out. And, and, and in them days, if you made a mistake, you paid for it. I mean, yeah, they, made you, you they pay say that you pay, they had a receipt, right? <laughs> That's right. You, you potato and they call the potato when you, yeah. you did something wrong. You got, uh, reprimanded from it. Not back in the dress room. Well, you could after if it was real serious, but in the ring and they would, you know, take you down and show you that, you know, you, they were the boss and don't ever do that again, et cetera, et cetera. Or some guys would just hit you as hard as they could and knock some sense into you. But that was right up my alley. I didn't care. I was going to say. Stuff like that. Yeah. And that's uh, on the job training. (laughs) Right. Right. So what happened was, uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, on the job training. And then yeah. what happened was I, someone, uh, he passed away, this, this guy that helped me out and, uh, someone else took me under their wing and gave me opportunities and, uh, as Mr. X. And then I was on TV and Vince, 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 who was running, didn't know it was me. 
Really? Uh, <laughs> when I, no. He said, who is that? He kept asking, who Vince is that? Senior? Because he was Vince, Vince Jr. Oh, okay. And, uh, because, and uh, who is that? I want to see. And uh, no one would tell him because he was adamant that, that uh, he didn't want me to wrestle. He'd rather have me in the concession and uh, the business end of the business, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, that's something that people don't know either. But anyway, I went on and on again. The rest of my, the rest is history. It developed. It took, but it wasn't overnight. You know, right. I was like 16 when I my first, and I didn't get a break until I was, you know, in my 20s. You know, uh, late 20s yeah. to even become Mr. X. And then, of course, you know, uh, I was running out of time anyway. But I did get the break, as you know. And uh, uh, so it was. It wasn't an easy road. And 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 you know, Sean. You know this without me having to tell you. I'm sure. Deliver a dream to uh, actually make make a dream come true is not an easy road. Mm-hmm. You sacrifice, you sacrifice, and you sacrifice. You know, we used to drive in a car, maybe 200 miles a night, and when I was putting rings up and stuff, making 50 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever it was, it, it, you know, you slept in your car and you you. You ate fast foods or anything you could get. You know, you, you, we used to go to the hospitals and eat there because it was inexpensive to eat, you know, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. So you pay. You lose families, family, uh, you know, you you miss holidays with your families. You miss Christmases, birthdays, first steps of your children, the whole nine yards. And it's uh, a sacrifice. Yeah. So it's not an easy road, as you know, and it's uh, but it is achievable. Everybody's dream is achievable if you just do it. Yeah, well, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, tough beginnings there. I, I don't know. You said you mentioned you had a sister. Did you have any other siblings? And uh, Yeah, I had uh, I had one brother and four sisters. Wow. And uh, everybody was pretty much know, on their were, own? Yeah. Well, uh, my mother, God rest her soul, took care of my sisters pretty well. But I was kind of like the... The, the 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 man of the family, uh, uh-huh. and, and not as a uh, well. I uh, I take that back. But I mean, I used to do were what you, I were could. Were you like the artful dodger? Were you the you know that uh, would procure things for the family? And mom didn't yes. ask where it yes. came from. Yes. <laughs> they, yeah. Well, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. To your question, yes. Oh. And uh, you know, if my sister had a problem with somebody, which which happened on a couple occasions, that mm. I would go straighten it Once. out. <laughs> and, and that's right. And nobody yeah. would, uh, everybody know who I w- knew who I was and everybody knew who my family was. And, uh, when, uh, in fact, there was a, an occasion where they're at a place and someone started messing with them. And, uh, my sister said, do you know who Danny, Danny Davis is? And there's a D Danny Davis, the street fighter. And she said, yes, they left her alone. They yeah. Never I had would another problem there. But, but the, re- <laughs> so, the reason I ask you that Danny is that, uh, you talk about, you know, it wasn't an easy road, but because of the way you grew up, was it always kind of a question? Well, the, I, I'm not doing anything else. This is this is me you know, trying to to make something of myself, but also having that that ability to, no matter what came your way, you'd already seen the worst of it. That's right. Uh, when you've you've had uh, the worst of it, anything yeah. else is better. Yeah. You know, and as you move up. I, I would use the term move up in your life and you see opportunities or opportunities presented themselves to you as a street kid. You know, when something comes up 
as a, an opportunity, you grab it, you know, and get what you can out of it. And then, of course, that leads to something else if you are good at that, achieving that goal. And then something else comes up, and that's 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 a, either an, uh, and you have to take steps back. And yeah. as you know, in the sure. wrestling business, is always a step back. You know, you think you're at at a certain level, and they then they tell you, look, you've got to go in and put this guy over or whatever. But I never complained, and I never questioned them, and I never asked why. They said this, and I did that. Whatever they wanted, I did. Yeah. You know, I, I never whatever they paid me was fine with me. You yeah. know. But I mean, it wasn't like they paid me peanut. Once they started, you know, got the break, it wasn't like you were earning money, good money, money that you never thought in your life you would. But uh, yeah, when you, the opportunities present themselves as, and, and if you are smart enough, you know, to grab a hold of it, you know, it's a good thing, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and the, that's what the, you do. Yeah. And the reason I, I, I bring that up is that, um, uh, I think we're missing some of that today. You know, I have kids and, and I, I didn't want them to live the kind of life I did growing up. Not that I was a street kid like you uh, and right. had it as, as, as rough as it sounds like you did. But, you know, uh, my father left early when I was very young, was never supported my family. My mom raised five kids by herself. And I learned early on and he was not a nice person. You know I mean? He was uh, an abusive person. And so as things went on in my life, and you mentioned the same thing, is that when opportunity came, uh, I had a chance to go to New York City right when I got out of school, and it was never a question to me. It was, hey, you know, you, you, if you want to improve your life, you've got to take these chances. And I think uh, uh, the message of your book is exactly that. That's and the I, message in the book. I think it's something we need yeah. to see more of these days for because, you know, if, if you have kids and you you want them to – uh, live a good life. But then in some ways, I think we're denying them the opportunity to struggle. And that is a really good education. And I see that also. And that was part of the reason I agreed to do this book for that reason. Yeah. And as I said earlier, if it helps one kid or a hundred kids, and we're going to do, we're going to go to schools and we're going to have talks, we're going to have speeches. I'm going to, you know, explain how I grew up and and try to reach somebody or a kid. And, you know, you hit it on the head. If you can convince uh, people or a child or an adult, even if he reads the book and say, Hey, you know, here's a guy that had all the bad breaks his whole life until he was, you know, he found a way. And as you said, he recognized opportunities. He took advantage of them and hence, became successful. Now you don't have to be, you don't have to be a Hulk Hogan. You don't have to be an ultimate warrior. Yeah. You don't have to be the top. You don't have to be this pitcher. You don't have to be the quarterback. Yeah. You don't have to be that person. What you have to be is true to yourself. When you get up in the morning and you go wash your face and, and look in that mirror and you look in that mirror and that person looking back at you and you look and say, you know something, I'm proud of you. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. You're doing good. That's, that's what, what it's going to be like you and to reach your goal and to achieve your dream, man, as you know, the euphoria, the happiness, the, 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 the joy of knowing that how hard you worked, you look back and say, damn, it was hard and it wasn't easy. Damn, it was hard, but I made it. I did it. And then after you achieve that goal, all the doors are open up for you. Your life changes and you know you can be or any a child can be or your children can be and it's legitimate legitimate 
they can be whatever they want to be. Yeah. And, and I really, you know, there, there's certainly luck involved in, in, in things that come your way, but uh, seizing those opportunities. Do you, and I do, wonder, do, do you think, do you, do you think it's luck or do you think, as you pointed out, as a, as a kid that has nothing, seize opportunities that some other person who doesn't have that deficit, you recognize him right away. Whereas he has to, he, he, he doesn't recognize him that quick. Yeah. So luck. Well, yeah, I suppose maybe, but I think it's, it's, it's like you said that, uh, not having a lot growing up when something does present itself, you're more apt to seize it than someone else who has a lot more than you. I, well, yeah, I don't, it, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. I'm just no, but I'm trying saying, to I'm saying that, that point you, over. Yeah. But you don't, when you don't have a net life's a lot different. And when, let, let's say when those opportunities come along, maybe it may come to the, another person, but sometimes when you knock the first time that door closes and may, and sometimes exactly. when you knock the second time that door closes and sometimes that, you know what I'm saying? And then, but you just keep I guess you knocking. never give up. Yeah, right. That's, that's right. Never that's give up. Point of this. So the, the never uh, give up. That's right. Yeah. And, and you met the McMahon somewhere along the line. I don't know how it really happened, but, uh, on the Cape, the, you know, that's another book. The first, yeah. The Cape, <laughs> Cape Cod Coliseum. Yep. Uh, yep. I knew him before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when was the first time that you, well, here's what, here's what happened. Or, and it's in the book. Well, the story's in the book, but anyway, I knew his father. And I did his father a favor one time. He bought a car for his wife, and they lived in Florida. And uh, they, he bought the car in North Carolina and needed someone to drive it from North Carolina to Florida. So he bought me a ticket to North Carolina. I went to the to the car dealership. I picked up the car, and I yeah. delivered it to, the, to Florida. And yeah. unfortunately, he passed away a few years after that. But he he uh, that's how I uh, first met him. Well, irrelevant. And then, of course, Junior, uh, I met him later on in in in, uh, in life, and uh, where he was just uh, starting to take over for his fa- from his father. Yeah, and, when, uh, where was that territory he, then, though? That, I know he had New York, but it did it stretch up the. In, in yeah, the, it uh, went Maine, to Philadelphia. And... Yeah, Maine to Philadelphia. Wow, yep. that was a big territory. Maine to Philadelphia. Hmm. Yep. And uh, we would go, uh, we'd, we'd either start in Philly and, and work our way up, all the way up to New Jersey and New York and, and Connecticut and Massachusetts and, you know, eastern Western Massachusetts and then, then up all the way up to Bangor, Maine, and then turn around and come all the way back again. Uh, you know, the tour was, you know, uh, and then, you know, of course, when uh, – Vince Jr. took it over. He had a different concept of everything, and and he's really responsible for our era. He, he really oh, brought no question it, about that. Yeah, he brought wrestling into the into the light. But uh, do I agree with everything he did? No, it's not my business. Yeah. All I know is, as you pointed out at the beginning of, of this conversation, it was the greatest time in wrestling. When and and I and I have to give it to you know the guys who are on top. You know, they, they worked hard and, and you worked hard and I worked hard. We were wrestling nine times a week and yeah. they, people say, well, how do you do that? Nine times a week. Well, you get up in the morning, you do, you wrestle in the afternoon, you get on a, a Learjet and you fly down South to, to Texas, do a night show. Then you get on a Learjet, 
drive and fly to the West Coast and be there for the morning for do a show there. Then you get on the Learjet and fly to the East Coast for the night show. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how you do nine 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 shows a, a week, and uh, it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't easy. But people don't understand that you know uh, you certainly reached some great heights in the uh, with the organization. Um, but did was your first? You didn't come in as a wrestler. You didn't come in easy, even as a, a referee. I mean, weren't you basically uh, part of the crew? I was just or, a ring just crew. Doing, yeah. Yep. I, I there were two uh, two promoters that worked for Vince. That were Bob Harmon and Ernie uh, and Ernie Ross. Now Ernie Ross, as everyone probably knows, was the Grand Wizard. Yeah. And uh, of wrestling, and, and mm-hmm. uh, Bob Harmon was beautiful Bobby. That was before my time, but anyway, he was to, he used to wrestle and nice people. And Vince Jr. We had the territory around Boston and and uh, and up the Maine and stuff like that. And uh, I worked for them. I would put up the ring. I would put up chairs. I would sell tickets for them. I would collect tickets for them. I would uh, hang posters. I would get on to the at that day and then days. You would go around to businesses in the towns and give them a block of tickets. And they would, you know, get free advertising on TV, go to such and such music hall and music store, and they have tickets for tonight's event, you know, yeah. and uh, they would get a percentage of some tickets. And and then I would go around, collect the tickets and the money and bring it back to, and, you know, I'd done it all. I'd drive the yeah. trucks. <laughs> and uh, one day I, I just, uh, we're in Bangor, Maine, and, and I told Vince Jr., I said, look, I, I, you know, at that time I had a family. I said, I got to make more money here. You know, I'm, I'm killing myself and I, I and he said well would you like to be a referee and I said sure you know what am I going to say no but yeah. and, opportunity <laughs> and that's <laughs> yep bang the next yeah. uh, we went down to uh, New Haven Connecticut and he says you start tonight and that was it bring a, bring a referee shirt black pants and get, go buy some sneakers you, you, you're on tonight and that so was you didn't the go to the, the uh, you didn't go to the uh, uh, the ref school of uh, officiating nope. uh, before you had to do that nope. with, to get your certificate and <laughs> what, no. but had you done nope. it before? No, no, I had not. No, now the kid, well, again, like opportunity, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. yes, I'm gonna be successful. Yes, I'm absolutely. gonna, absolutely, yeah. I'm gonna achieve it. And so yeah. some of the guys that that were there. Knew I was a greenhorn, just starting out, and they said, "Do this, don't do that, don't do this," and they worked, uh, you know, so that I didn't look like a fool, and the match didn't look stupid, and yeah. they didn't look like a fool because I was a green. And they told me, "This is what you do," and they, of course, they're all watching you, you know, waiting for you to make the mistake. Yeah. And uh, after a while, it, it, uh, they start asking for you. When they say, "Can we have Danny as a referee? Can we have Danny as a referee?" and that's how you know that you made it. So, Bing again, opportunity, bang, grab it, go with it, do right, do the best you can, and it happened. So, I was it was meant to be, you know. Well, but what what makes a good referee? I mean, but you, you could say you know you knew all the rules, you knew, but come on, uh, what what makes a uh, what 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 makes the wrestlers like a referee? Like, what do you do in there that that makes you a good one? You stay out of the way. Okay. You know, you're not seen. You don't get in the middle of it. You know, uh, they're in the limelight. That's their stage. That's their arena. You're there to do the the, the one, two, three. 
and you break things and uh, break things up when it, uh, you know, uh, and listen to them, follow them. Don't lead them, follow them, stay out of the way. Let them have their match. You stand in the corner, you know, but you know, move back and forth. Don't, don't stand still like a dummy. Get in there. You know, when they get a, they got a hold on a guy, a choke hold, get in there, get, get right in there. I mean, deep, <laughs> put your hand up there. You, you know, you know, you're doing it and you, what's going on, but, but at least, at least act like you give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. I don't know if I can swear, but, but act like you, you're interested. Act like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's real. Act like you're really trying to get that guy off that guy. Act like he's, you count him, you jump up. You just don't stand in one, two, three, one, you yeah. get up, be part of it. And, you know, get the crowd, get, be part of it. Yeah. Be part, be part of, of it, it and, but not be part of it. So do, were you exactly were you know your balance, to this? Know your I mean, balance. Yeah, but do, were you a natural Like at to TVs, this? for instance. For yeah. for instance, yeah. at TVs. Right. There were you could only go, you could not put your ass in the corner. It, it, in the beginning we had one camera that called it the hard camera. Right. As you know. Right. All right. So your ass is never facing that hard camera. Right. Never. Under any circumstances. You follow they kind can, of a, but an you, arc. Yeah. So it's like a horseshoe. You go, to, yes, you know, right. the, the, the three, yeah, and you you do not cross in front of it. That's for the wrestlers. And when you raise their hand, you're off to the side. They're in the center of the ring, facing the hot camera, and you just raise their hand. Now the hot camera is going to focus on them, and all they're going to see is your arm and hand there. So you know you, you learn. A, oh, and if they like you, they'll teach you. If they don't like you, they, they then you they won't even ask for you as a referee. You know, they will, and when they say, well, so-and-so is going to be your referee. Oh, Jesus. Do we have to have him? You know, right. then, uh, you know, <laughs> then, you know, you shouldn't be in there. They're going to give you a hard time, yeah. uh, but, uh, that, that's basically it. I mean, and I just, they liked what I was doing and it, and it snowballed and, uh, I hate to go keep going back to it, but it was an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, but were refs ever a part of matches back then? Did they, or would they once in a while have a special, because some, you know, you have the, the guy gets knocked out or he, you know, uh, but was that a, a real rarity that you'd ever see things like that? Yeah. It, you know, it was kind of a thing where, uh, it was frowned on by everybody, wrestlers, promoters, yeah. uh, Vince, everybody to involve a referee, uh, only because as I pointed out earlier, and if they needed to do that, it was to help them along and, and getting them over as mm-hmm. it were, yeah, you know what that means? You know, that the guys, yeah, it would help them along because, so, you know, if there was no, uh, uh, if he was kind of not able to get, get himself over, you know, uh, if you hit the referee and, and knocked him down and, and uh, he went over, he's a heel, especially, you know, then they would bring back, they could come back with uh, a guest referee, like a, a, an ex-wrestler that was famous, like, you know, Bruno San Martino or something, will be the, be the guest referee. Right. And right. they still try and do that today. You know, so that yeah. was, in, in that respect, yes, the referees were involved, you know. And, and again, it goes back to your, your question that we just addressed, that the referee had to be in the right spot yeah. for that to happen. You know, you step in between or, you know, you, 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 uh, and again, you're out of the picture, but then all of a sudden, bang, you see, that's another reason you're out of the picture. All of a sudden you're hit, you run into, you know? 
So it was rare for a referee to get run into because he, you know, supposed to know his business. So, and it would be put over as blatant because right. you're not supposed to be in that place. And, you know, and, and he deliberately did it. He found you, he sought you out where you were standing and, and, and deliberately hit you or threw somebody into you or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And you said, you know, you had to make it believable when you would, you know, your back, you would have to be placed in certain ways so that you couldn't see what was going on. Uh, exactly. That was, that's, that's an art. I mean, it really was, uh, or really is, well, I should yeah. say, but it, because they don't do it anymore, but it, but. Well, but, not today, no. Today's yeah, all but different. I mean, yeah. you really, you really did. You, I know that you were, you were kind of this uh, window dressing to it, but. In many times, in many of those matches, it was inc- incredibly important that it was sold right. Exactly, and that's how. Also, you can you could uh, become a wrestler if you watched, paid attention. Yeah. To what else you know, uh, you could create a situation or whatever. You know, if they wanted you to do something, you could create it. You know. And, and, well, and you must have learned a lot. Know, uh, just from being well, in there. Well, that's how you learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What not to do, what, you know, and then you get people telling you, you know, don't let me do this. If if he does this, you know, step inside, step, you know, push him back or whatever, you know, and you just, but a lot of referees in our time, as you know, I don't know, they didn't want any heat as it was called. You know, they didn't want any trouble with any of the fans. They wanted to be the nice guy. They wanted to be the, the person that put the, you know, help the right guy, you know, get over and stuff like that. If a, if a heel was going over, oh, no, no, no. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You know, you know, I hate that or something like that. I didn't care. I, <laughs> I used to work with the midgets. <laughs> and I didn't care. They say, they say, we're going to do this to you. We're going to bite your ass. We're going to do this. We're going to chase you around the ring. And then we're going to, we're going to cover you. And the other, the other guy's going to count you out. One, two, three. And I said, good, fine. And, and they loved me because all the other referees didn't want to do that. Really? They didn't look like, no, yeah. oh, no, they were dead set against that. Like, you know, the little things where he throws the guy, he covers the, one guy covers the other and he throws him off and you catch him and throw him back on top yeah. and throw him <laughs> the other. And the other guy gets up and, and, and right. slaps your face. It's like, you yeah. take a bump for the major, you know, nobody wanted to do that. I said, I'll do it. I don't care. I'll do it. I had a ball sky, low, yeah. low, God rest his soul. And little beaver back then, you know who I'm talking about. And we had well, some fun. I had a great yeah, but time. But weren't you bottom line? Weren't you a performer, an entertainer? Didn't you, did you always kind of see Obviously, yourself yes. as that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're, once, once you, once you step there and you were entertaining the people, just like the rest of us, but not in the same aspect as, as the wrestlers were, but you were there to help enhance or, you know, whatever you, you make the match, uh, yeah. believable. As yeah. I said earlier, you gotta, you gotta make, you get in there. You gotta work it. Like it's, you know, people say, wow, he's really trying to get the, you know, and, and, and it works. It works. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can't take the- all the credit. Yeah, well, a certain a big part of it, though, because really, no, you you got you that uh, group of of people, and you were a big part of it because you were like this heel ref, which I was really uh, had never really been seen before to that extent by any means. But you catch on with the WWF, uh, you know, you're basically a referee, right when all this started happening. Right, this we're talking eighty two, eighty three. Uh, yeah. did you look around and say, holy crap, what's going on here? You know, the, you go from arenas where you're seeing, you know, 1500, 2000, suddenly it's five, 6,000, 10,000. 
what 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 do you remember of that that period of time when it really when it just before before eighty five? We were spoiled. We were spoiled. If we had a house with, <laughs> if we had a house that wasn't sold out, you know, we were, we were we were upset. What the hell's going on here? Oh Jesus! Where are the people? You know, stuff like that. Not really, but yeah. you know, uh, it was it was uh, more than anything else. It was excitement. It was a pleasure. It was uh, knowing that you're part of something, and you could see it. You could feel it. You could just feel it. I was there the night that Hulk Hogan. Uh, uh, beat the sheep for the title in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That second, Sean, that second, that minute, we knew. Everybody just looked at each other. We knew something great was about to happen. I mean, it was good before. Yeah. And we did well before. But something great was about to happen, and we weren't wrong. From It rolled, snowballed out of there from the Madison Square Garden. It never stopped, you know, until Hogan and... Vince parted, I guess, and then of yeah. course it went the other way a little bit. Yeah, but that, and that as hard really as the other guy, and, and as hard as the other guys tried, you know, the other champions after him, and just, just didn't, uh, could never bring it back. Could never, could never. Yeah. The, there were a couple that came close, but it just, it was, wasn't the same. Yeah, it, it was, was a special the, uh, time. There's no question about it that it all was, the stars. Yeah lined up and it was it was just amazing to be a part of it uh but but getting back to this this uh i mean you guys really you you were part of you changed the 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 referees forever in a sense that that's right you became you really did become (laughs) part of the show and i mean how many people could name a ref today but everybody knew who danny davis was everybody knew who the hebners were uh everybody knew who joy morella was back then and you guys sure. were, God rest his soul, yeah. was there a point? Yeah. Well, and we'll talk about Joey, but, um, yeah. uh, was there a point when you said you, something happened and you went like somebody recognized you or, you know, on that scale and you said, wow, I, I guess I am part of this show. Well, it, you don't, uh, it doesn't, uh, it kind of develops Yeah. and you don't realize it. <laughs> Honestly. You know, you just go about your business. I mean, even when I was working uh, and I was on top with, with the Hot Foundation and stuff, I would go home and, you know, it, it never, I was, I, I, you know, I don't know how to say it. I was, I was re- my regular, I was just Danny Davis at home. Danny, you know? yeah. I mean, I wasn't, yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, uh, Dangerous Danny Davis that performed in the ring and Dangerous Danny Davis that was with yeah. the, w, the Hot Foundation. I just home and I, and people would, would recognize you, you know, you'd be somewhere and they'd recognize you and stuff like that. But as a referee being recognized, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was a great, you know, because you're amongst these guys that are being recognized for such hard work and such talent that, you know, it's just amazing. The talent these guys had yeah, and he, to, to, to be amongst them and say, yeah, that's the ref Danny Davis. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And we did that. Yes, we did that. We put referees in the forefront. And that is why today it probably isn't as, as prevalent, you know, that uh, the referees are kind of kept on the back burner yeah. because there isn't, there isn't that, that uh, flair. There isn't that, uh, that, that those dynamics that everybody's, everybody's part of it, yeah. you know? But and how because, did that happen though, Danny? How did the, because it, I, I remember, and it was, a uh, you know, about the time that, you know, I was there, but even before, but, 
uh, how Vince allowed that to happen because he's always been, you know, very superstar focused who you're putting over. Um, but when, and then not only, I mean, when did you see like where, uh, refs became more a part of these matches? Was did it just, uh, a slope? It just evolved. It just evolved. It just evolved. Like my thing there, you know, I, again, I, I said it earlier, uh, the other referees wouldn't, uh, uh, do the things that I would do. Uh, they would, uh, stand aside and when didn't want to get in there and do all this thing because they, you know, didn't want to look like a fool in front of the, uh, I did whatever they wanted me to do. You know, if it right. meant whatever it meant, you know, getting thrown over the top, getting knocked out. Uh, uh, but, uh, I would always, uh, treat each guy the same. I didn't care if he was a baby face or a heel. If you watch the, the, the referees in those days, the baby face get away with murder. Okay. The heel wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand for it from either one of them. You know, I would say, look, I told him, no, you can't do that. You don't do it either. And, you know, and I would point them. I would get in their face. I would act, you know, half the time I wasn't saying, no, I was just move my lips, shaking right. my finger. But, <laughs> and, and that changed the dynamics of it. And, you know, somebody along the way say, Hey, you know, that's, that's not a bad little thing he's doing there. You know, first yeah. it was, you know, I'm sure it was questioned and stuff like that. And then someone must've come up with said, Hey, that's not a bad idea. You know, we, maybe we could do something like that. It's never been done before. You know how it, how it goes. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, and it has never been, well, people have tried it, but it doesn't work. You know, it's like, it's like a Sean Mooney. There's only one Sean Mooney. It's all, there's not going to be another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's right. And, <laughs> and, and there's not going to be another referee like Danny Davis ever. Right. You know, I'm going to be you, dangerous. But, Danny Davis. Yeah. But you pushed the envelope. I mean, you had to have because you, you, became kind of the, this heel ref. And that was just like, what, how does that, you know? Uh, so did like you come to you, them I with ideas? Them both the same. Huh? Yeah. You know, and they liked it. Everybody liked it. The wrestling liked yeah. it. Vince liked it. Everybody liked it. Uh, and when I, when I came out there, it goes back to what I said earlier. You got to get in there. You got to make it believable. Act like it's, it's, it's a shoot, as they were saying yeah, in the business. Yeah, you got to yeah. act like it's really happening. And you're really concerned with what each guy is doing. You're going to have a Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, it just evolved. It just evolved. Yeah, it really and did. And I wasn't and then, afraid to do it. No. Uh, did the other and no guys... one reprimanded me for doing it. So, you know, we went. I just kept doing it. So do you feel, did you did you lead the way on this? Because following yeah, that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but following that, I mean, then then we, got, you know, the Hebners started getting involved, although it was, we never saw the both of them. And, you know, well. That's a whole other yeah. story. But do you feel you, you yeah. led the way on 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 getting involved and in, and becoming part of these matches? To I the think so. I did. would like to. Uh, I would like to think that through initiative and my own initiative, and and you know, going back to being a street kid and, and stuff. Sometimes you got to make your own opportunities. Yeah. You're I mean, would you go up to them and say, the, "Hey, I, I got this idea. I'm just throwing it nope, out there." Or nope, how did it work? Nope. I would just go out there and do it. I would go really? out there and do what I wanted to do. Yep. I would never ask, I never asked anybody anything. Really? I would go out there and if they said, then I, I, you know, I can never remember a guy coming back to me and say, Hey, don't ever do that again. Wow. Never. But when because, you do have, when you had like a big match though, Danny, and you've got, you know, they've got high spots that they got to hit, uh, you know, the finish and all that. So, uh, how much were, would you be a part of that? Because you had to know you had to be in the right places. How did that work? Yeah. 
Well, I wouldn't be standing there, Sean. I wouldn't be standing there. If it was, especially if it was a big match, I wouldn't be standing there with my finger up my butt. I'd be in there. I'd be between them. I'd be getting, you know, I got elbowed at times. I've got, you know, uh, knocked down by accident at times, but I was, you know, I, I, like I keep, I keep or repeat myself, but you've got to be in there. You've got to make it, make it look as, as though you're the referee and things are going to be, even though they're not, they're going to do what they want anyway. But you have to be in there and tell them, don't do that. I'll throw you out of here. I will. I'll disqualify you. Walk <laughs> over to the bell and go to ring the bell. You know, and have the, the guy smart enough to grab you and say, no, 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 I'm sorry. And beg off, beg off, beg off. You know, whether it be a baby face or a heel, just to get in there. And, and you know, you, you it, it takes three guys in a ring to have a match. Yes. Three okay. guys. The referee is just as important as uh, – as they are at times, but they're the guys that put the asses in the seats. You generally a referee don't put no asses in the seats. And that's what you're, you're getting at with your point with Vince and stuff like that. Yeah. But somebody along the way figured out, Hey, I think this guy can handle it. Let's try this. And it worked. It worked. Yeah. No, it did. And of course, it- you know, the, especially being a coward and a big mouth, you know, it's being a street kid. 90% of the street kids, that's what it was in the <laughs> just big mouths. They weren't tough. You know, they weren't they weren't gonna beat up anybody, but they would talk tough. And it comes yeah. back it came it comes back to that. So I learned how to be that. And uh because as you know in the wrestling business, a, a majority a high majority of the time, you usually get a get a uh a, a, a character that's opposite of what you are. Like if you see a bad guy in the ring, he's usually a pretty nice guy on the outside. Yeah. No kidding. Like if you it's, see a good uh, guy funny. in the ring. Yeah. So that, that, that's how, you know, again, it was me, you know, yeah. uh, here I am a street kid, ex street fighter. And I'm in there acting like a coward, you know, and, and but I can talk a good fight, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. you believe my, my interviews. Oh yeah. I'm gonna, what, you can't beat me you know, and all that stuff. And Jimmy hot with his mouth. God bless him. <laughs> he got me over more times. He, he bailed me out a lot of times. And uh, with the interviews and stuff like that, but we, and we did all right, you know, and it was a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Now I I know there's a lot of great stories uh, in your book, but can you tell me like one, just one match that really stands out when you were like a, you were a a part of this match where you, I don't know if you got knocked out or what's one that just really stands out to you. All uh, right. I'm going to, I'm going to, well, you mean with myself being involved or, yeah, uh, being involved. Uh, just a like match. Your, a okay, here we go. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, the Hogan match, it was a cage match between Hogan and, uh, uh, what was his name? And they both hit the ground at the same time. And I was on one side of the ring, and the other referee was on the other side of the ring. And we both claimed that. Uh, oh, that was, uh, yeah, that was Joey. Joey was the other ref, right? Yeah, the other ref. And, and, and uh, they both, and, you know, uh, we argued back and forth and who was the, it was Hogan's opponent. Uh, uh okay. Oh, that's just, see, see how it works. You don't remember who the opponent was, but I remember Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Uh, Paul, Paul Orndorff. That's it. Yeah. Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, they both, had, and that was a pretty good, that was, you know, they made a lot of money with that. You know, right. they made a lot of money with that. Cause that's when they brought in, you know, an ex wrestler, whoever it was for, to do the next night and stuff like that. And they went around with it, you know, and they made money with it. So, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, that was a pretty good match. Yeah, because he, that was he, pretty exciting to be involved. They had to redo the match. They had to come back right. out and and Hulk that's comes right. out on top. Yeah, 
That's and, right. Uh, see? You were quite the heel that day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. See? <laughs> yeah, that's you... just one, but there there are many. There were many, yeah. Yeah. But that was just one. That was a good one. And and uh you know, again, uh, but I think I it's know, interesting. You're saying you say really it. didn't know um, uh, uh, that much about a match, really going in. I mean, you basically nope. you had to know the finish. Uh, uh, nope, I never had. That was went in cold, man. Just as cold as you could be. First match, right out of the box. Not, just as cold as you could be. But I had been around it for for uh, 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 a number of years, you know, watching the matches and stuff like that. See, that's the key that these kids don't realize. And I've gone to the WrestleManias, and when that match is over, they pack their bag and they go have something to eat or something like that. Sit down, watch the matches, learn. The same with the referees. Yeah. When they're done with their, with their matches, they go off. And Why aren't you watching? Why, you might learn something. Are you afraid you're going to learn something? But it's just a job for them, you know. And, uh, and uh, I, I just wish that more people would uh, show some interest after the matches, I go to spot shows. I go to uh, independent shows around here. It's the same way. You know, the kids yeah. don't even sit down and watch the matches after they just get dressed and go, you know, and I say, why does anybody out here watching? Yeah. And there's like, you they know, learn. 40 people in the audience. Well, we don't want, we don't want people to take away. I said, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I said, just sit there. No one's even going to recognize you. <laughs> you know, right. a guy come up to me the other day and said, uh, well, I was at a, uh, uh, independent show. And he can't come up to me. And he said, uh, do you think if I put this guy over tonight, it'll hurt my career? And I just looked at him and said, what career? <laughs> <laughs> you got to have one first. Kid. <laughs> it's just Christmas. Thanks. I mean, you know, anyway, anyway. Uh, so okay. We can so go on and on. <laughs> but when, when all this was going on and you were, I'm sure making a decent living, you were uh, a right. big referee in the WWF, WWE. Uh, but was it always in the back of your mind that you wanted to be, in the ring, not the third man. And did you continue to train that whole time? I mean, uh, what was, wh where was that dream simmering? It was simmering from day one. I knew that I would someday. And it, well, the thing was, <laughs> I wanted to kill them guys. <laughs> when I first saw my first match, you know, all the heels, stuff like that, yeah. uh, Baron Sakluner and, uh, uh, to mention a few Baron Sakluner, uh, who was the other one there? Uh, back in the day. Uh, way back in the day, then. Baron Sakluner, yeah. all the heels there, you know, and uh, the, uh, George Steele, and uh, and uh, oh, gee. anyway, I said, I, I, I want to kill that guy. I want to kill that guy. I want to street. I want to fight this guy. You know, <laughs> I that's the kind of guy. In fact, my sister used to pull me down in a chair and say, "Sit down." Oh, sit yeah, down. you were. You were <laughs> it was a shoot for you. Right? Yeah, I was ready to go. Yeah. So, and then uh, I always knew though from that that minute it something just told me that someday someday people will be coming to watch me wrestle uh -huh. and you know everybody laughed and made fun of me and all that shit and, and uh i said you watch i'm gonna do it you know and uh i did it you know i, I really achieved it and now people who were were with me that uh that used to help me with the ring friends of mine and stuff you know look at me today and said you know i would have never believed it but you said you were going to do it and you did it, and you know you got to be proud. And I said I am, and I knew I was going to do it from day one. And that's the key to my book. Nobody, don't let anybody tell you you're not capable of achieving your dreams because you are. 
And that's the well, way and nobody be. nobody's ever done that. Did it before? Had done, had done it after? Really? No, it was never done before. Yep. Yeah. So how did yep. it happen? You know, they how say, did it come about? One day, one day, I said uh, I was doing this thing and my referee thing, and of course the British Bulldogs were fighting, uh, and they were working me, you know, doing. Uh, uh, that's when they started telling me, look. Uh, just do your thing out there. They didn't even tell me what to do. They said, you know, just do your thing. So I would go out and do my thing and, and, and favor the, which was never done before. No referee ever went out there and favored the heel, yeah. you know, and the whole, <laughs> and the whole thing. So I went out there and I was for the heel and people started booing. And I said, that's it. Just do that. Just keep doing that. You know? And it, so it, I just kept doing it and doing it. And, uh, uh, then that big match came up and they said, this is what you're going to do. And I said, fine, fine, you know? And, uh, after that, they said, look, we're going to put a pair of tights on you. And they sent me, a, really? uh, they sent me, I was in Philadelphia and they, they said, call the office. So I called the office and they said, you, uh, you're no longer Mr. X. You are now dangerous Danny Davis. That's the name we're going to give you. So it and, was that uh, match with the, the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation. Uh, yeah, I came in, out in it, it was a TV yeah. taping of, yeah. yeah, the TV taping in Superstars. Florida. And, of course, we did two or three uh, weeks. You know, we do one week, two weeks, and three weeks. So I came out, like, in front of the audience, like, an hour later, dressed yeah. in my new wrestling tights, you know. Well, and Danny, you know, you, you had your, uh, your, your referee, uh, uh, you were stripped of your, your referee duties by Jack yeah, Tully. Yeah. So you, you yeah. had to find something yeah. else to do. Uh, that I was had to heinous. find something else to do, and that was, was the, that was the whole key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bad for life. <laughs> yeah. But that was but, a big, but, uh, that was a big, a big opportunity. And that was it, it, Daddy. It. From there on, it, <laughs> and again, like you said, it was opportunity. And I went out there, and I made the best of it. I created the the. Uh, you see, in my mind, they wanted me to go out there and just another wrestler. You know, and I said, why don't I go out there and be a coward? Mm-hmm. You know, duck out and this and that, and this and that, and uh, and, uh, and and create that uh, character so that. And when I do my interviews, you know, I would I'll be a tough guy, and then and it worked. And they said go with it because it's working. So they tried it, and it did work, and uh, that's <laughs> that's how it developed. And uh, again. I, it was an opportunity for me to achieve my dream. And yeah. when I did, you know, I thought I achieved the dream when I, I was wrestling as Mr. X. Yeah. And because technically I did. I became what I knew in my heart and always knew that I would do, that someday I would be in there wrestling. And I did. You know, I would wrestle them all. I wrestled Jake the Snake. I wrestled uh, all of them. In fact, in fact, you know, some of those guys, uh, but wanted to work with me as dangerous day it is because they worked with me when I was a uh, uh, Mr. X, you know? Right. But were you and, doing uh, those, so, those Mr. X appearances while you were refereeing too? That was kind of the purpose of the match, yes. right? So you were yes, wrestling. I, I, well, I would go to an arena and I drive the truck to the arena with a ring in it. We'd set yeah. up the ring. Yeah. And then that, in that tr- same truck, there would be concessions, books, pictures and stuff where I'll go to the concession guy at the building and we'd count everything up and set that up. And then I would, <laughs> then I would go into ring and I'd referee a match. And then I would go back and I would change my clothes into Mr. X. And I'd go out and wrestle as Mr. X. 
Now we come back again, get changed again. Right. <laughs> After the show, take the ring down, go get the concessions, count that all up, and drive to the next town. Wow. And how uh, long did that go on yeah. for? A couple of years? That went on for quite what? No, a few years. And then you were, but years, you were refereeing. Yeah. But I'm saying when you were you were refereeing WWF matches too, and were you doing like dark matches as as? I'm just wondering how you kept in ring shaped to where where you well, got to. Well, when point I where... when TVs, I was just Mr. X. I never did any any. Uh, if you watch, Danny was gone, and. Uh, I, I would just do Mr. X for, for like one week because we used to tape three weeks, you know, in advance. Right, right. So I would go back out the next week as a, as a referee and stuff like that, you know, and, uh, whatever for on TV. So they, so they could keep me, my face on TV, you know, because right. in them days, once you're, once you're out, once your face isn't seen on TV, you're forgotten. Yeah. And that goes for a wrestler or anything, you know, that's, that, you're gone. You know, they just forget you. But anyway, so that's how that worked. So I, I did both. I always did double duty. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew that. And um, so when it did happen, when when you got this break uh, and became dangerous, Danny Davis, how were the, how were you received by the other superstars? Did they embrace right. it? Were there some that were yep, like, yep, you know, yep, yeah, yep. Because you know, listen, it's a business. Yeah. And if you're going to draw money, and you're going to help draw money, then they want to be there. They're glad. They don't care what you're doing or how you're doing it. They just want, because if you don't draw a house or the house is small, you get small pay. If you do a little angle or, or do a little thing like we did and the house is, you know, you, you draw a few, put a few asses in the seats. They like it. Everybody enjoys it. It's just not you that's enjoying this. It's financial gain for everybody. Uh, it, that's the way it worked. Like everybody wanted to be on Hogan's guide. But if you couldn't be on Hogan's card, then you have to be on some, you know, because we were running two two cards a night, sometimes three cards a night. You know, we yeah. had that many, we had that many people. So, you know, if you had your little angle going and people were buying it, hey, and you're putting asses in the seats, they don't care. You know, they were enjoying it just as much as I would. Yeah. You know. Well, so, and, 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 and it went. So that's. No, yeah, it went for well, a couple of years, though. Yeah, you know. Oh, uh, it went. Yeah, we did it for what three, or four years. Yeah, I guess it was four, three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, but and I it mean, was, is, but the time. Is... But the things were changing, Sean. As we were, as you know, things were uh, changing and going in a different direction because mm-hmm. of the cable, because of the in my, my day. I, you know, I wrestled with Coco Ware. I don't know. You know, and and uh, and uh, and the other guys I worked with there. Sam Houston, Christ, I, you know, all the time because yeah, in them days, you know, yeah. before before Christmas, I mean, before cable and stuff yeah. like that, uh, you know, we could do that, and 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 feuds went on for years. You could go all yeah. around the world in the country for two or three years, you know, with the same guy. But as things evolved, you know, you you were phased out. A lot of things were phased out. A lot of guys were phased out. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, that's the way it was. And that's what the direction the business went. And unfortunately, uh, uh, it wasn't as popular as, uh, I don't think it's as popular today as it was, you know, I don't think it's, but that, you know, it, it, it goes in cycles. You know, my, my whole time with the, with the, uh, with the wrestling, I always heard that it's ups and downs. You'll have, you know, 20 good years and, 10 bad years. And, uh, I think that'll, it could make a, a comeback. What do you think of the, uh, 
today's product. Well, I, I think that there are some incredibly talented athletes. I look at, at what they do in the ring and the athleticism is, is unbelievable. And it just seems like that bar keeps getting higher and higher. Uh, the one thing I just think I think is missing is the way that you were able to tell stories back then when we were working there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But as you mentioned, you you know, we had four pay-per-views. So you were able to build these storylines to people who were going out of their minds to see some kind of closure to it or some kind of showdown. Uh, they don't have that opportunity more anymore. And they've yeah. uh, you know, they don't the, the announcers aren't really involved. They're basically you know, mic passers and uh, it's the same thing. You don't ever see a referee involved in it. It's very it's very different. So uh, I think that there's some there's some great there's some really great talent. I think that if they would have been around during that uh, that same period of time, they would have been superstars. I mean, as big as uh, some of the the guys that were uh, with the the WWF at the time. But it you, you it really has changed. It is it's a very different world, and these people uh, that are in it come from different backgrounds. Back then. A lot of them came from generations of wrestlers. It was the the old school was still very much a part of it. So you know, uh, it, it, well, it really day, is different now. In, in my day, the guys were huge, huge guys. They were uh, under six foot tall. You weren't even you know barely allowed in the in the arena. And, and back in the day, you know, yeah. if you weren't six foot tall or bigger and, and a huge man, because when I, these were grown men wrestling in the ring, bouncing around and stuff when I first saw him. Yeah. And what happens was, and nobody realizes this either, that when Dangerous Danny Davis came along, uh, uh, the stature, I didn't hold that, that type of stature. Yeah. You know, Brett wasn't that huge. As, no. as uh, uh, right. the, uh, the, uh, the, well, you know, and, and, yeah. and he was a great champion. But uh, what happened was, the, uh, the, we, as as a group, uh, me, uh, Sam Houston, Coco Ware, uh, all those guys that we that we worked together with, we were educating, and we didn't realize it till later. We were educating people to the fact that smaller guys can be just as popular yeah. as the bigger guys because you, you're running out of big guys. They ran out of big guys, so now if you look, the stature of the guys today, as opposed to our day. Was a, there's a big, big difference. Uh, the talent, and this is what, what, in my opinion, is missing. You have to have a guy or a couple guys that when they go through an airport or they go uh, down a, down a hallway, that people are gonna say, "Wow, look at that guy!" Wow, like the like Hogan. When Hogan w- walked into a room or an arena or a, a, a hotel or an airport. People were in, in, in amazement. They they, yeah. they flocked to him. They they just wanted Andre the Giant was another one. You know, these are the guys that and they need someone or, or or a couple guys that are that uh, have that charisma. And it's a it's not something you can develop. It's not something you can learn. Either you have it or you don't. Yeah. And, and to go and be that that person that people are gonna spend whatever they have to spend to see to to be with to be around to be part of and and uh unfortunately today they haven't found that that one person yeah. you know that that superstar that that person that's gonna 
awe people that's going to wow people that people want to be around and have that yeah. charisma. And, 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 and I'm sure there's somebody out there that uh, will fill that bill. And when they find them, I think that wrestling is going to go uh, to heights again, to great heights again. Yeah, that's what but I, I think. think also another part that was just uh, you know mystical about it is that we didn't have the outlets that they have now. I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't there wasn't the Twitter, the Instagram, the instantaneous everything you see, everything about this guy. Where you, if you wanted to see Hulk Hogan, you had to go down to the arena when he came to town. You know, it, you didn't really have exactly. that exposure now. Uh, it's everywhere. So I I don't know maybe if that that's a, a big part of it, but I think that. You know, you, you didn't see these guys like you, you'd see them on the, you know, every week for a couple of matches. Now, you know, it's, it's, the exposure is just incredible. I don't know if the, if that is a, a big part of it, but I really believe it is. I think that uh, there's just so much now that uh, it kind of waters it down. Uh, there's not that, uh, uh, like Hulk Hogan was this, you know, big, gigantic, bigger, bigger, bigger than life than you could ever imagine. And seeing him in person was just, you know, he was a, amazing figure to see uh when you look back though danny at those it was really those two years um 87 through 89 uh you you weren't a main eventer uh necessarily but you we were involved in in some great uh you know different feuds going and you were you know king and king of the ring and uh involved in wrestlemanias uh what do you remember of uh, that stands out vividly about that run as dangerous Danny Davis in the WWF? Well, again, it goes back to what we were talking about. It, it was a great time. It was an exciting time, not only for the people involved as wrestlers and promoters and stuff like that. It, it was for the fans too. They were the, they were the greatest fans on earth. They were the greatest fans. They still are. Yeah. You know, yeah, wrestling no fans. Yeah, absolutely. Bar none. Bar none. When yeah. you went out there, and someone told me this uh, beginning of, of my tenure as Dangerous Danny Davis, that these people are hardworking people. And, yeah. and a lot of them spend their last dime for a T-shirt or a ticket to come and see you. So right. when you go out there, if there's 10 people or 10,000 people, give them 110%. And I always tried to do that, whether I was doing interviews. And it stuck in my mind. And that could have been half of the reason for uh the dangerous Danny Davis thing to go over and get, be successful is because I always worked hard. I always knew it knew. And, and, uh, I, that's what I think is, is the most important part of, uh, that era were the fans. They were so, so, uh, willing to give, they were so willing to be there. They, they, they went out of their way to, to, to be there and, and, and enjoy, but we get, we, they got their money's worth and they knew if they came, they would get their money's worth. Because as we said earlier, again, these people were awesome. The Hulk Hogan's, think about it. Hulk Hogan's, Kamal is, the, yeah. the, the, the characters that were there. And to see these people in person and as big as life, to be there. And then you got, you know, the, the Hot Foundation. Then you, you've got the Bulldogs. And, and just, it just, the list goes on and on and on and on. And it was an exciting time. And you can't, you can't, uh, you can't make this stuff up, but yeah. the fans are the, are the people who, who, I mean, without them, you know, even Hulk Hogan without, without the, without fans, he's, he's not a, he's not, he's nothing. These fans are really, really, really great, great people. And they still remember Sean, 
when I go to places, when I go to WrestleManias, you touched on it early in our conversation. When I go to WrestleManias and I'm signing autographs, they come up to me and they're, yeah, they're older people, but they're younger people too because they're educating themselves. I, you know, I just watched the tape of you and the British Bulldogs, or I just watched the tape with you and Jimmy Hart, and yeah. oh, gee, you were Mr. X and stuff like They remember. It was, what, 30 years ago? Yeah. So now, you know, and that was another reason I wrote the book. You know, they remember. They remember. Yeah. And they'll tell you stories that you forgot about. So <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, uh, it's hard for you to, to say that one, one thing would stand out other than the fact that I was part of it and a, and a big yeah. part of it. And I yeah. really, really enjoyed my success because I know where I came from. And when I went out there and I looked around, and saw all those people there every night. And I knew they came partially to see me. It was a great feeling, you know, and it's, it's not a feeling like I told you so to everybody. It's a success that only you can appreciate and a dream. Your dream came true. How many people can walk up to you and say, yes, I've lived my dream. Very few people can say that, you know, I've, you know, and I've lived my dream and now I'm living a dream again of writing a book. Who would think? You know, that I would be writing a book and not about it is it is my about my wrestling career, but a a book to try and help other people to find the intestinal fortitude to go for it and recognize opportunities and don't let anybody tell you you can't. And uh, that's 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 what makes this book exciting. And I know you're very proud of what you accomplished uh, reaching uh, superstar status with the WWF, but uh, you you have to also take a lot of pride in how you changed uh, professional wrestling referees. I think when when anybody uh, thinks of okay, you know, a heel referee, a dirty referee, you know, a dangerous Danny Davis. Danny Davis is the guy, and uh, the world famous bad never, guy referee. <laughs> yeah, and it's never happened again. No, you don't. You know, how many people could name if if I asked them to name wrestling announcers, uh, you know. You're on that list, and then and then uh, the Hebners, and Joey, yep. uh, Joey Morella. I think a lot yep. of people uh, knew him if uh, you know from being in the ring. Uh, did you guys at the time you know, realize it? Because it seemed like they it was almost you guys almost wanted to outdo each other. It became uh, you know a, a, a very very big part of it uh, with Dave and Earl and Joey. Well, and now Richie they, was they, in they, there, right? Yeah, they, they, uh, I didn't care. See, they like, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. The Hebdens wanted the main event. Joey wanted the main event. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't, they come to me and say, do you care what, I said, I don't care what matches I referee. I just don't want to be on last. Right. <laughs> and that's I want to get paid. Said, really? You don't, <laughs> yeah. You said, really? You don't care? I said, I don't care what matches I do. Joey, go do it. Make up the lineup wherever you want. If you want, well, that you got match, more money though, it. weren't you? The higher the card, didn't you get more money? Was it like the same way with the boys? Well, no, no, that's 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 something that's uh, no, uh, not really. You got the no. same what, thing. Another twenty bucks or twenty five bucks. Yeah, you got the same thing <laughs> at WrestleMania. Yeah, it, I hope they're paying it, you it more was, than that. <laughs> well, WrestleMania is a different story now, but but that's when when you get to WrestleMania, they don't leave it up to the referees to decide who's going to do what yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and uh, and and uh, and again, I I never cared. I never cared what match it did. I was just excited to be out there, and I was excited to be part of what was going on. You know, 
And that's, uh, that's a lot, but I, I didn't care about the, if the people like me as a referee or not, really. You, you mentioned uh, Joey Morella, and uh, I, I did yes. want to uh, yes. talk to you about him. Uh, I got to know him pretty well. I knew uh, Gino very well, and uh, yes. he was he was uh, Gorilla's stepson. And yes. uh, after that, after Joey uh, passed, uh, Gorilla yes. was never the same. I think we all knew that, but. You knew Joey very well, and he was a, a, a young kid, but he, I remember he earned his way. He really did earn his way, uh, and despite, uh, you know, being Gorilla's son. Now, and, and, and Gino or Gorilla, whoever you yeah. he never did any favors for that kid. Uh, not because he didn't love him, right. but be, he knew the business. He knew the business. Do what you're supposed to do. Come in dressed. Be on time and do what you was asked of you, and that's it. You know, and and Joey was a, a consummate referee. He he was there on time. He was always a clean cut kid. He was always come dressed nice. He did what he was told, even if he didn't like it. He would do what he, what he was told. You know, and uh, Joey was was one of the uh, you know he used to be a hell of a pitcher. You know, did you know that no, ball be, baseball pitcher? Yeah, he had a hundred dollar, hundred yeah, hundred dollar. He had a hundred hundred uh, mile an hour fastball, or between ninety and a hundred mile an hour fastball. And wow. uh, he used to do that. Yeah, he was he was uh, I think scouted for a couple teams there at one point in time. And uh, uh, you know, I always encouraged him. I said, Joey, if you're that good, go for it. You know. Yeah. And he was, you know, that was his dream. He he wanted to become a, a baseball pitcher. And, uh, I mean, how many guys and an accurate, an accurate hundred, hundred mile an hour fastball. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he was a hell of a pitcher. So, you know, those are things that people don't know about, you know, are, uh, about people in the business. They, they have other lives. And, uh, when Joey passed, God rest his soul. I mean, it was a, it was a sorrowful, sorrowful occasion. I mean, he died. It was on the exit to his house. And, well, uh, I remember that there had been those. an incident earlier before when it almost the same thing had happened, um, yeah. and he had uh, recovered from that, and then to have that happen again, and then uh, you know he loses life. I remember it was, it was life. Just, yeah. yeah, and that yeah, was after. I, uh, that. Saw, yeah. yeah, I saw his mother at. Uh, we did a WrestleMania at uh, on a Super Bowl Sunday, or oh, we did a show down uh, something like that. Yeah. And we did a big show in Florida. Anyway, and it was one of the pay-per-views on uh, 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 Super Bowl Sunday. And his, Gino brought his mother down in. I just looked at that woman and uh, I cried. She was just a little tiny woman, you know. And you could see in her eyes, you could see in her eyes that she and her and Gino, were never, as you pointed out, were never the same. Never the same. broken. Yeah. Never. They were broken, yeah. <sighs> that, was, uh, that was a terrible thing. But anyway... Uh, I, I really enjoyed my time with him, and uh, uh, God rest his soul. Now, Danny, before I let you go, and uh, I want to leave this on a high note, uh, yeah. when you look back at all the things you got to do, uh, is there is there one that stands out that, uh, to you that, uh, you know, where it just, you said, here here's this kid from the streets, and look at me? Well, I'm going to tell you, and uh, everybody knows, it's WrestleMania three. When I went out there on that cart and looked at those people in that audience, 
Yeah. Brother, I was here. I have arrived, as it were. Uh, there's no greater feeling. Uh, I, again, uh, it goes back to what I said earlier. I have, I've live, I'm living a dream. I have achieved what everybody said I couldn't do. And I just looked around. But no, I'm not, you know, uh, and I'm not the type of guy to brag. I mean, it's not a bragging. It's not, but it's pride. And it's, and it's uh, a feeling only people who have achieved or lived the dream will ever, ever know. And that's it. That's all I can say about it. Because once you've done it, you, there are other things in life that you want to do. It makes it all the easier for you to, to achieve those goals. Writing a book. We're going back to the book. I'm writing a book. Dangerous Danny Davis. Danny Davis, a kid in the streets. Mm-hmm. Writing a book about his, his life. Think about that. That's a long way to come, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So how can folks get a hold of this book, uh, Mr. X? Okay, well, they got a couple things we, we can do. They can reach me. And, and like me on Facebook at Dangerous Danny Davis. And then we have uh, on the web, DangerousDannyDavis.com. And we're going to start a Kickstarter. And we're uh-huh. going to also for pre-orders and stuff like that. And uh, Kenny Casanova, the publisher from WOHW Publishing, you can always go on his website. And uh, on April 6th, 7th, and 8th of this year, Danny Davis's book is going to debut down in New Orleans, <laughs> and we're going to have a big table at the Sheraton Hotel. And I am going to be—it's going to be the first time that my book is debuted, and I will be signing autographs for the first time on my new book, Mister awesome. X, Dangerous Danny Davis. And that's—that's—it's the- that's, an awesome thing. And then uh, you know, people always love to uh, drop you a note. You got an email that they can get to you? Well, just go to uh, uh, Facebook, and okay. I get back. I do that every day. I go okay. through that. Like I said, like me on uh, Dangerous Danny Davis on Facebook, and I always converse and get back to people and, and talk to them on that. And it's a great thing because I can do that anytime I want. Awesome. Well, Danny, uh, you experience just about every side of professional wrestling, and you are definitely – I know you never took a day for granted, and you're a true example of what determination – uh, hard work and uh, simply, I think if uh, you, you say, you know, if you want it bad enough, you find a way and, and you did it. So, Danny, thank you and so Sean, much for coming on primetime. It's my pleasure. And you have also done some great things. So don't don't uh, count yourself out, kid. You've done yeah. some good things in your life. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> and I appreciate your time. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. All right. Bye bye. Uh, I tell you there that was another conversation. When going in, I have no idea what to expect, and that was awesome. Right from the beginning of that, uh, it was great talking with Danny Davis. What an incredible story. A tough kid from the mean streets of Brockton, literally a street fighter. I had no idea that those, uh, that, that was his, you know, the, those were his beginnings, that on the streets of Brockton where he literally was a street fighter, I got paid to do it in... Uh, you know, garages and uh, warehouses and, and on the street. Uh, man, and he is definitely somebody who never let an obstacle get, obstacle get in his way. And that way led him from working as part of the ring crew of the WWF. I mean, he started at the bottom and all the way to WrestleMania as a wrestler. Imagine that. Uh, if you would have told that story to somebody along the way and, and you said, well, I'm, you know, I'm 
some guy in the ring crew said, you know what? Someday I'm going to be at WrestleMania. They would say, yeah. Oh, yeah, you'll be there maybe setting the ring up, dude. Uh, Danny Davis made it to the ring, and he was uh, a superstar in the WWF and had a, had a great career there. Also, uh, so many great matches with him as a referee, uh, really. And, and I, I had no uh, idea how all that really worked in the ring. After all the years, you know, I knew how matches came together, and but I didn't really know how the refs were involved there. So that was uh, fascinating to listen to him. Uh, so he's uh, got a book out. Uh, do not miss your chance to catch that. Uh, Mr. X, the story of Danny Davis, uh, that's uh, going to be out. And he said that he's going to be at WrestleCon signing copies of his book. So if you're there, be sure to stop by. He also mentioned several times during the podcast uh, how you can uh, get in touch with him and then also purchase that book online. So don't miss your chance to read up on it. He just gave us uh, just a small inkling of uh, some of the stuff that was involved in his life and the road that he traveled to get where he did. And a fascinating guy. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Remember, as I told you at the top of the podcast, that is... Uh, our new Twitter official account is at Primetime Mooney. Uh, and also, it's the same for our Instagram account, at Primetime Mooney. I've been posting some old pictures that I found, and I've got many more coming. Stay tuned. Be sure to keep watch out for some of these pictures because they're, they're pretty awesome. Uh, some of the people that uh, got a couple of uh, his lordship when we were out and about. So I will be sharing those very soon. Uh, also, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook at Primetime with Sean Mooney. I will let you know when I'm going to be live again. I saved all the questions that I didn't get to last time. And, of course, I will answer as many uh, of them as I can as they come in live. So stay tuned for that. Uh, please, please frequent our fantastic sponsor, SeatGeek, so we can uh, keep bringing you this podcast to you every week free of charge. Uh, once again, just download the SeatGeek app on your mobile device, and you're just a few finger taps away from getting the best seats to that great event you have been dying to see. And here's the best part. Uh, because you are one of my loyal listeners, you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So not only are you going to get great prices on tickets, you're going to get $20 off. All you have to do is use the promo code PRIMETIME. That's PRIMETIME when you make that first purchase. off. So don't forget to download the SeatGeek app. Uh, Another great episode is on the way next Wednesday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Sean Mooney, and I'm out. The world of NLW Radio never stops. Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related healthcare to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In Campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G.